Our first scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Deuteronomy 26. It can be found in your pew Bibles in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Testament section on page 180. As we approach God's word in scripture, let us do so with prayer. Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. Listen now for God's living word as it comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 26. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, And you shall put it in a basket, and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for God's name. You shall go to the priest who is in an office at that time, and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. And when the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord, your God. And bow down before the Lord your God. And then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, you shall celebrate all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The theme for worship and sermons this Lent is cultivating and letting go. 
I'm excited about this because it's a collaboration of sorts. I have some colleagues who have a group called A Sanctified Art. They are artists and poets, and they have helped design a series, a way of thinking about the scriptures in the lectionary this Lent, and I have decided to partner with them using some of their resources. So throughout the Lenten season, some of their poetry and their thematic inclinations are going to be drawn on through our prayers. You'll see notes in the bulletin. Today I'm going to use a, our prayers of the people will come from their group that have, have written a beautiful prayer for this day. And so we are going to consider a theme of cultivating and letting go. We are going to consider what God is cultivating in us through this Lenten season, but we will also consider what we need to let go of in order to cultivate something new, in order to let God cultivate something new in us and in our lives. In a variety of places in the Bible, God says, Behold, I make all things new. God is always doing a new thing. God, full of creative grace, is doing a new thing in each one of us. And our task in worship then, this Lenten season, is to discover what God is making new among us. And no doubt this will look a little bit different for each of us. God made us all with different gifts and passions and callings. But together... A focus on what God is cultivating can open each of us to what we are faithfully cultivating, both in our own lives, but also what we might desire to cultivate together as a church in a new and more complete way. Now, our scripture this morning tells a wonderful story. It is a story that follows the end of the story of the Exodus. The God's people who have wandered in the desert for 40 years have received a new home from God that God has given them. God has provided for the people in a generous way. And God has provided with an abiding and generous love and grace. And so the people have settled in. They've built homes They have started to cultivate the land, and they have begun new lives entirely different than generations past. And in response to this incredible grace, the people of God are then instructed to return to God their first fruits. That means that in recognizing the grace that God has given to them, they are to return to God what is cultivated, first cultivated, in their new land that they have been given. From the beginning of their new lives, they are starting by establishing practices of gratitude. In addition to cultivating the land, they are cultivating practices of gratitude in their community and their lives. Now, these practices of gratitude are not reluctant. That is the idea of first fruits. First fruits honors the role 
that God has in their lives. First fruit celebrates the amazing grace that God has treated the people with. One gives in gratitude first, rather than waiting to see if there's anything left to give at the end. And so the people begin this practice, and they do so joyfully. The scripture says, they shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord has given them. Their gratitude is an act of celebration. It is an act of rejoicing. But they do not rejoice alone. They do so together, clearly. But they also include the Levites and the strangers who live among them. That is, people who are different from them, sometimes even in conflict with them, and many who have not experienced always the same type of abundance that God's people have received. That is to say that their gratitude is shared with God, yes, but it is also shared with their neighbors, as well as strangers, as well as their friends. The author Diana Butler Bass writes about gratitude in a book that she published recently called Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks. And in it, Bass writes, that gratitude grounds our lives in the world and with others, always locating the gifts and grace that accompany our way, Gratitude is an emotion, Bass writes. Gratitude is an ethical way of life. It is a disposition, an awareness, a set of habits. But ultimately, Bass writes, gratitude is a place. Perhaps the place where we find our truest and most faithful selves. So often when we speak of someone who is generous. We speak in terms of adjectives rather than verbs. As in, that person is generous because of some quality that they have, a quality that is rare or not possessed by others, and we admire and praise and celebrate and recognize generous people as we should. But what we do not do is consider what has cultivated people who are generous into becoming generous. The scripture on first fruits seeks to consider the verbs and the nouns rather than the adjectives. First fruits asks, what are the practices that cultivate our hearts and our minds that develop our faith and our identity into God's grateful people? God's people of gratitude. That means that generosity, in the sense of first fruits, is rooted in actions of gratitude. Generosity is rooted in the lives of God's people who place gratitude at the center, at the heart of both who they are and how they live out who they are. Gratitude is about cultivating our identities as people who are thankful. And this is, in a way, our task of living our faith in Lent. 
we create space to pray, to examine our lives in the context of our faith. We take stock of our lives and the life of our church and our community. We consider what goodness and grace and generosity have been given to us. We also intentionally repent. We seek forgiveness. We try to correct behaviors in our lives that don't please us. One common way of saying this is that we seek to live in right relationship with ourselves and with God and with our neighbors. And all this prepares us for the ultimate celebration of grace made known by Jesus. All of this prepares us for Easter. In our preparation, though, Lent is also a time of actively letting go, letting go of what gets in the way of following Jesus, letting go of distractions and excuses and our own ignorances that, that form, that, that separate us from our practices of faith. We let go of getting down on ourselves for trying and failing. We, we offer ourselves grace. We let go also of just taking the easy way out, challenging ourselves to practice our faith more intentionally, more deeply. In Lent, you could say we get penitential with a purpose. Sometimes our Lenten focus can weigh on us with our common approaches. The preacher Paul Scott Wilson writes that a good deal of emphasis should be given to considering not only what Jesus Christ saves us from, but what he also saves us for. Among many of the things that Christ saves us for is being saved for gratitude, for giving thanks, being saved to share goodness in our relationships, being saved to offer our thanks to God and to celebrate it in response to God through our lives with one another in the world, being saved to celebrate all the grace that God has given us in such varieties of ways. And so this Lent, a question we may ask ourselves is, how could we cultivate gratitude for the lives that God has given us? What habits could we create for ourselves in order to help cultivate gratitude? So this Lent, I'm working to teach my daughter about giving. I think I will probably end up teaching myself about giving. And I know that she's only three. She's a toddler. But I figure we can only grow from here, right? So together we made what we're calling a giving box. And it's really just a cardboard box that she decorated with stickers and some coloring with markers. But every time that we go shopping, we buy food for our box in addition to the food that we buy for ourselves. 
And so after Easter, once we have collected food and filled the box, she and I will bring the box over to the pantry at Iroquois Lutheran Church, and we will give it there, offering our food for the pantry as an offering of our gratitude for God and what God has given us. It's a small concept, but it's one that a three-year-old can do to get started learning about gratitude. And in all honesty, I know that at some point the giving box will become a space helmet. It already has. It'll become a robot at some point. She will push it around the floor as though it were a lawnmower in the living room. I know these things will happen. They do with young children. But I've learned something significant as a parent. And one of these things that I've learned along the way is that we learn how to live by learning the kinds of actions and participating in the kinds of actions that we make. And what we cultivate now often has impacts that are yet to be realized later. What we cultivate in who we become by our activities and our actions and our commitments yields more fruit down the road. What we do in our practices during Lent enriches our life, not just through the Lenten season, but our lives of faith that go beyond Easter into the rest of the year and the rest of our lives. I know a toddler does not really understand what she and I are doing, but she will one day. And she'll live with gratitude as part of her life, I hope, but we'll give our first fruits now in the giving box. And we'll give them in any form of gratitude that we can because the first fruits that we cultivate in our lives will offer such things that take shape in the future that will be far greater than what we are doing now. So as we practice gratitude, as we cultivate it in our lives, I turn to God offering thanksgiving for the grace of God, for the gift of the opportunity to offer gratitude, and for people who faithfully share grace and respond to that grace in gratitude with me and with others in their lives. And for all of these things, I say thanks be to God. Amen. Now would you rise in body or in spirit and let us join our voices with hymn number 399, We walk by faith and not by sight.